Welcome to the Burden and Blessing Podcast, a study and discussion forum on the truth of God's Word. Our Bible study series examines a specific part of God's Word of Truth. We pray that through this study your faith will be built up and you will grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's Word through what you hear. We are glad to have you with us at Burden Blessing today. We are starting a new series. Neil and I have been looking forward to this series for quite a while. My name is Nathaniel Mayhew. Joining me today is Pastor Neil Radical. We are going to be going through a series on the Psalms. Now, the Psalms are the prayer book of the Old Testament, and we're going to be doing this one just a little bit differently, just like we did the last one just a little bit differently. Instead of taking these Psalms in the order in which they are printed in the Old Testament, we're also going to take these in chronological order. And hopefully this will be a a fresh and a new way of journeying through the Psalms, understanding the historical context in which they are written, and then applying them to our daily lives. Neil, the Psalms have just about every doctrine of the scripture included in them. And so it's a beautiful way to study the teachings of God's word and the history of God's word, both put together. We're going to be starting with Psalm 90, which is the oldest and first recorded of the Psalms in the Old Testament. And it's a very appropriate place to begin. I think the hard part for us is we talked about before is that we want the study to be very informal. So I'm pretty sure that you're going to see a different side in Nathaniel and myself. We're going to get a little goofy and it's not going to be, it's not going to feel as scripted, but one of the other things that we're going to do is we're also going to be writing devotions based on the Psalm following our study that we're doing here together. So basically you're listening to our study. We've done some, we've obviously studied before and we've studied during, but we're kind of recapping our own study and we're just recording that. And then we're, the plan is to record a devotion too. So we'll have a summary devotion of each of the Psalms, Lord willing. And this will be a long project. So if you're looking forward to listening to us in the future for a long time, this will this will take a while. But we're so excited because uh, we are huge fans of the Psalms. And I'm looking forward to just growing more and more in them and through them and seeing the comparisons to the rest of Scripture like we will today. So this Psalm 90 is one that I use most of the time with families who've lost a loved one and actually I use them with, I've noticing the more I've studied the Psalm, how much I use different phrases and thoughts and concepts with my own children when they're afraid, or even think of those thoughts when it comes to my own understanding of the Lord's presence and protection. And I love that it starts with the Psalm of Moses. To my knowledge, I don't know, Nathaniel, do you, is there any other Psalm that we know of that's written by Moses? No, this is, the, well, this is the only one in all of the 150 that are listed that are that is attributed specifically to like Moses. Recorded for right. us, right? Yeah, exactly. So you broke this Psalm 90, which is 17 verses, and we're going to be approaching these all, I think we talked about a while back, in different ways because of different lengths of the Psalms. But you broke this down to three paragraphs, if you will, or pre, three sections. I love it as I was thinking about this you know, coming up for today because as we take each paragraph, the way I'd like to kind of talk about it, uh, heads up, Nathaniel, is that we often talk about Moses's life in three sections. So we talk about Moses lived to be 120. I just found out yesterday, I was visiting with the nursing home lady that she said, oh, I just heard there's a lady who lived to be 115. So Moses was a little bit older than her. But it's interesting because we normally break his life down into 40 years. He had his first 40 years in Egypt, his 40 years in the wilderness, and then 40 years again 
in the wilderness <laughs> uh, when they were wandering around before he was called in death by our Lord Jesus. And so when we look at this psalm, I think it's neat because you kind of look at the psalm as past, present, and future, not just in Moses' life, but in our own life. And you can see it also in the whole summary of the Bible. The Lord from the beginning, when time was begun for us as mankind, the Lord during our time here on earth, and what the Lord has to look forward to us as well. So kind of dropped this on Nathaniel. Too bad. I do that to him a lot. And uh, this is kind of the way I want to look at it. So Nathaniel, would you like to start by reading the first paragraph? We can kind of take turns. Yeah. So the first section of the psalm would take up the first six verses. Uh, the first part introduces us to the holy writer, which is Moses. That we've already talked about. He, just to put it in historical perspective, Moses lives about 1500 B.C., and again, this is the oldest of the Psalms. A lot of them are going to be about 500 years later during the time of David, but this is the, the earliest of them. So uh, the opening six verses. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning, they are like grass, which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withers. Neil. This is an interesting psalm to begin with because you commented that you like to use this psalm for families who have lost a loved one. And, and I'm just thinking about that as I read through these first six verses because that seems a little depressing to me. <laughs> so how, how is it that you use this for that purpose when this seems to be so depressing? I don't usually use this first section. I use it. Oh, okay, okay. Good clarification. <laughs> I don't use right. the whole song. Uh, but, but, I, but this sets the stage for that, doesn't it? It does. Because it tells us why that is so fitting in the context in which you're using it when we get into those verses later on. So what, what I like about this first section so much is it describes the character and creation of God. And I know you and I have put together a lot of different kinds of studies together. And we, we oftentimes talk about how the Lord shows his omnis, these omnipresence, omnipotence, and omniscience. Good, good. <laughs> Just testing you. Way to go. <laughs> and so what we don't have here for omnis is the everlasting, the everlasting. That's, a, that's that eternal nature of God. So once again, you mentioned earlier that all the doctrines of the Lord are basically described in the psalm, which is why your father-in-law, I think, put together a adult instruction just on the psalms, which, you know, I don't really use that. I should use that sometime. The first six verses here is great because not only do you see God's eternal nature, and that's just blows my mind in regard to that because we're so bound by it. We're chained to time. We, we only have to think of this in life in 2D. We always think of the Lord, think of it as 3D or 4D. You can see the whole picture all at once. And I think uh, when he talks about the depressing, when you talk about the depressing nature of this, I'll let you comment on that. But he just talks, Moses is, if this is a prayer of Moses, you can see the, the axe model here, the adoration, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. 
before the mountains were brought forth. He's talking about his everlasting nature. And then it gets a little depressing, like you said, turning man to destruction. And it's got that word return, O children of men. Return, you know, I would probably, I could translate that as repent. Repent, O children of man. That's what repentance means, the idea of returning. So great place to start. Moses was definitely a man who needed to repent early on. You know, that end of his first section, that 40 years, he murdered an Egyptian. He thought he was defending his fellow Hebrew when he was 40 years old. And yeah, he needed to repent for that because that was... He knew, I mean, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So the whole idea is that, yeah, that was wrong. So he's speaking of a man who sins. You know, everybody's like, oh, Moses is such a great guy, but he's a sinner, he's a murderer, just like we are in our own hearts as well. So, you know, it's interesting when he reflects here, we talk about God's awesomeness and his omnipresence dwelling in us with forever, but he dwells in our hearts and he sees our sins even when we try to hide it like Moses. Your turn, I'm sorry, I keep going. No, that's fine. It depends on how you look at it, whether it's depressing or not, doesn't it? And what this does, when you think about a funeral, death is the ultimate preaching of the law. This goes back to Genesis chapter 3. In the day that you eat of it, dying you will die, God said to Adam and Eve. And that's what this psalm is, is describing. Moses may have been actually contemplating his own death as he's writing this. It's interesting that he talks later on about the days of our lives and how many those are. And he had exceeded that with 120 already. But here's the thing that I really like about this psalm, Neil, and that it's, it focuses on even though we are so frail and that God is in his justice angered over our sin, look at the hope that we have. God is everlasting. Like you pointed out, he's eternal. He is the creator. You formed the earth and the world. So we're reminded that he is omnipotent, like you talked about. But then in verse one, we have this beautiful comfort. You have been our dwelling place in all generations. He's our protector. Because we are so frail, we turn to the all-powerful, everlasting, eternal God, and we say, I need you because I am weak. You think about that children's song? I am weak, but you are strong. Jesus loves me, this I know. There's those familiar verses. And we confess that at an early age when we are little, our children, when they're little, they need us. That's not a bad thing that they're frail, but rather it's, it's a wonderful thing that they turn to us and depend on us just like we turn to our almighty all-powerful God. And go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's interesting that, you know, we look at our, if we have an earthly godly father, that that's awesome because, you know, we can go to him anytime with, uh, for advice or for cares, you know, and we're doing this right around Mother's Day here. And we think about earthly mothers with the same idea. And what's interesting to me is that Moses says, you know, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past. And I love how, you know, again, shows that timelessness it reminds me of Second Peter. You know, where he talks about, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord, with the Lord, one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So we have an eternal father who constantly reminds us he's with us. And I think that's what Moses is doing in verse five when he says, you carry them away like a flood. Well, he's talking about days there, but Moses has seen some pretty powerful things with water, hasn't he? And I think that, you know, when he talks about every day, it's like a grass which grows up and, and flourishes and grows up. Well, in the evening, it's cut down withers. I could see Moses reflecting on the first 40 years of his life. You know, I was, 
I was in Pharaoh's court. I was, I had wealth, I had riches, I had everything. And then in a day it was gone. I fled for my life into the wilderness and I had nothing. You know, it's just amazing to think about how he's uh, easily reflected of, of on his life here. But when you mentioned that the, what Moses was going through his life, you know, I think that is probably a good transition. I know we're trying to keep an eye on time when we do these studies. It's going to be tough, isn't it? And uh, we're going to be, let's look at the next section here too. Um, did you have any other follow-up things with the first? No, nope. no, I, I think it, cut you off. it leads in nicely to the next section, like you said. Okay, I'll read the second section here. Verse 7 through 11. And again, again, it just struck me how this fits with Moses kind of wandering as a, a shepherd in the, you know, in Midian there. For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath, we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance for all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow for to soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. I, I talked a lot that first time. You should go first. <laughs> uh, oh, you give me the tough section. Okay. What? <laughs> well, th- this, this again, I think highlights what I like to call the justice of God. A lot of times we as sinful human beings, we take a look at God's anger. So we have anger, wrath, iniquity, sin, wrath i mean these are these are words of of judgment and a lot of times when we take a look at judgment we are afraid there's the idea of terrified in here but the thing that we have to remember is that god is justly angered mm-hmm. he deserves to be angry because we have failed to live up to the standard that he has given to us and he doesn't have you know, sometimes we take a look at the things around us and we say, well, those are unjust standards. They're not fair. But God hasn't given a standard of perfection in order to make our lives miserable. Imagine, imagine if we lived in a perfect world, Neil. That would be good for everybody. Yeah. The reason that God gives a standard of perfection is because that is what is best. And so when we see his anger because of our failures, because of our iniquities and our sins, we have to realize that God, that's one of the other beautiful attributes of God. We saw his eternal nature. We saw his unchanging nature, his caring nature in the first six verses. But here in these verses, what we're reminded of is that God is just. And that is a quality that is so important. Imagine, imagine if you had a judge and his wife broke the law. And he had the ability to just boom, bang down his gavel and say, you're free. Well, that would make us pretty uncomfortable if he had the ability to use his power to free someone that he cared about a great deal and get them off. That would not be justice. And the Bible uses the the description of the relationship between God and his church as the relationship between a husband and a wife. And God is the judge. And so a lot of people say, well, why can't God just snap his fingers and let us off? Because then he wouldn't be just. And we want a God who is, there's all kinds of man-made gods that are not just. And guess what? (laughs) I don't want one of those gods. Yeah, all of them, actually. All of them, that's right. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, and that's one of my favorite things in these few verses here is that the God that we have, the God that we serve, the true God, Jehovah, and we get into that in the very last verse of the, the psalm, Jehovah, but he is just. And that's what we should, we should be so thankful that even though that God is angered because of our sin, that he is angered because of our sin, because that makes him just, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's just struck me when we were reading through this one again, and again, the way you divide this up, how this is so fitting for those 40 years of the middle part of Moses' life. And it's interesting because verse 10 points that out. You know, the transition from what you said to what I'm thinking here is that it makes sense that he would be terrified primarily of the Lord. You know, there's no mention here of Pharaoh. He's saying, my secret sins, our secret sins, the light of your countenance, he says in verse 8, are set before you. You know what I've done, Lord, and I'm terrified by you. Certainly he could be afraid of man as well, but he doesn't mention man here. He's afraid of the Lord and his justice, like you said. It's so interesting in verse nine, you know, how fast his life has passed away. Again, if he's reflecting on this, when he's 120, as I think most people believe it's written at the end of his life, and he's reflecting on those middle 40 years of his life, you could see that terror. You know, he's in the middle of the shepherding by himself you know basically out in the middle of nowhere and you know he's sighing about his life and how he messed up and the, you know it's it's where we get in verse 10 these your life is three score and 10 you know and that's that's if you want to know where that came from psalm 90 verse 10 one of the oldest songs in the world this prayer this song the psalm of moses and if by reason of strength they are 80 years what do they boast labor and sorrow that's what you just talked about soon cut off we fly away that refers back to that verse five that grass which grows up quickly and it's cut down in verse six it's soon cut off and fly away it reminds me of isaiah who talks about uh our our flesh being as the grass which perishes perishes so quickly like a vapor and so he, he transitions here from uh, verse 11 who knows the power of your anger you know we've even seen god's full wrath moses saw it in the in his 40 years Moses saw it at the end of 80 years here when he saws the, sees the power of deliverance with Egypt. And again, if he's reflective on God's anger, I guess we could also make mention of you know, Exodus 3, where God calls Moses uh, from the burning bush. And then Moses makes a bunch of excuses. And the Lord was very angry at with him, was going to kill him because of all of his excuses. Or when his wife Zipporah basically saves his life with the circumcision of their son, you know, Moses is reflecting on this with his psalm. And again, how he summarizes this all in his 120 years of life in this one psalm is, can only be through the work of the Holy Spirit. So I think it's amazing. As we transition to the last 40 years, again, one might argue, I think, the most trying of his years, the last 40 years of his life, become this last section. Uh, if you're ready to transition, do you want to go into the next one? Absolutely, yeah. So verse 12 then, and this is really where... It all comes to the front, isn't it? This comes is where it together. comes. It comes together right here. Uh, so Moses is reflecting on all of this, and he says, "Okay, as I look at the end of my life, so teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we might rejoice and be glad all our days." Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, 
and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. All right, you said that you like to use this for comforting loved ones. And I'm guessing that here's the, here's the section that you come to. So take sure. us into that. Uh, verses 12 through 14, I use quite often when I'm meeting with the family before we go into celebrate the victory we have in Christ. So this whole teach us a number of our days. Again, Moses just goes, gets done talking about, you know, how blessed we are if we have three score years and 10. And we also can think of how God limited the, the lengthy lives that people used to have before the flood and before all the wickedness that had come on the world. And so we can actually praise the Lord for that. I'm so thankful. I don't have to live to be 900 years old in this current world we live in. <laughs> here, uh, here. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to live to be 90. So it's good to remember to teach us a number of our days. Sometimes we reflect on that in a scared or negative way or terrified way. Like we might think of Moses saying in the middle section, but that whole teach us a number of our days means, Hey, how long he says in verse 13, not return. Like we said in the first part as in repentance, but Lord, relent on us return set us free from this world of bondage and sin and death come how long will you come how long until you come have compassion on your servants like john says in the end of revelation come quickly lord i've been saying that a lot these last few days and satisfy us early with your mercy you know that whole idea of uh, lamentations every morning his mercies are new his in ecclesiastes as well his his compassion never fails his love you know so satisfy us right away with your mercy every time we need it and we can think about how that gives us gladness, as he says in verse, verse 15. I'll give you a chance to talk about the gladness. I'm, I'm using verse 12 in the sense of, you know, count our days. And sometimes it add up the years of a person's life or the days of a person's life. And it's amazing to think about. He teaches us wisdom as we see the mortality of life and that we want the Lord to come and call us quickly and deliver us. That gives us joy and gladness in whatever days we face. Yeah. That, that first verse there, teach us to number our days. The Hebrew word for the word number is an interesting one. You might translate it, teach us to reckon or to account for our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And this sort of reminds me of, in fact, I've wondered if the Apostle Paul maybe was reflecting on this particular verse in the New Testament when he, he speaks about Christians redeeming the time or, or Peter, when Peter speaks about how our lives, we have a certain amount of time. You mentioned Peter earlier on and how we need to, we need to take a look at the time that the Lord has given to us and be a good steward of that time. And this might not surprise you, Neil, but I, I very clearly see the doctrine of vocation in this last section, yes. yeah. uh, especially when you get, so you've got verse 12, teach us to number our days. In other words, how are we going to use the life that God has given to us, whether it be 80 years or 70 years or 120 years? And he says, we have been afflicted. We have seen evil, but make us glad. Help us to see the doors that you open for us while we are here on this earth. And my favorite part of this is in the last verse. It's where the name of Jehovah is finally used. It's, it's just Elohim all the way through until you get to verse 17. And then Moses says, hey, I, I don't want you to be confused. This isn't just any God. This is Jehovah God. And he says, let the beauty of Jehovah our God, Elohim, be upon us. And it's almost like this beautiful little subthought. And 
establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. There's this thing that we hear in our study of the scriptures. Anytime that a thought is duplicated and doubled, you ought to pay attention to it. <laughs> and this thought is doubled here right at the end. In other words, what we're doing is we're at, this is a prayer. We're asking God to use us, to use our lives, to use our gifts, to use our abilities and to establish it so that it lasts, that we might leave a, a heritage, a legacy to the next generation. What a beautiful prayer. But we can't get to that. We can't get to that without going through the first 11 verses, without realizing our frailty, our iniquities, our sin, our rebellion against God, and the nature of who God is, who is merciful, who is eternal, who is our, our protector, all of those things. We need to know who we are, and we need to know who God is. And once we are brought to know who we are and what we are and what God is, then we can make the prayer of verses 12 to 17. Teach us to number our days, to reckon our days, to redeem the time and establish the work of our hands for us. It's not our work. It's God's work in and through us for the next generation. Yeah, I really like the way you said that. It's extremely comforting. And I, I think the thing, the thing I want to think about with this psalm throughout the rest of the day, and before we do the next one here, Lord willing, is what would this psalm have looked like if Moses wouldn't have went through all those highs and lows and challenges in those 120 years of his life? Would it be just a blank slate? Look what the Lord taught him, and look at how he expresses that through the Holy Spirit in the psalm. And I just think, Man, what has the Lord taken me through to help me express myself in praise and psalm songs that we sing in church or in the Word of God? It's it's a very meditative type of psalm to think about, no matter what we're facing in our life: suffering, loss, death, sadness. A lot to contemplate there. Hey, thanks for the opportunity to do the devotion next time. I don't know how I'm going to summarize all this in a little devotion. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> well, and look at look at the beautiful. Lutheran theology of law and gospel here. A lot of times we don't want to go through the law. We don't want to hear the law. But, but like you just said, Moses had to go through those hard times, didn't he? In order to, to realize, to understand, to know who God was, to see and feel God's mercy in his life. And a lot of times we don't appreciate the mercy of God when it's just the high times, just the good times. And, and it's through those bad times, and that's true not just of Moses, but think about Hebrews chapter 11 and the great heroes of faith chapter. And all of those heroes of faith, like Abraham or Noah, who went through extremely difficult times in order for the Lord to bring them to an understanding of who he is and what he has done for them. And that's what the Lord desires to teach us through these words of Moses still today. 3,500 years later, we still have the privilege of meditating on what Moses learned personally, reflecting on our own lives, and asking the Lord to also help us to account our days and to establish the work of our hands. Awesome. Should I, you want me to close with a prayer? Absolutely. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for enriching Nathaniel and I with this opportunity to study your word. What a wonderful opportunity to get into the mind of Moses to reflect on the 120 years you blessed him with here on this earth and to be able to give thanks for the lessons you taught him. And so we ask that you would teach us also to number our days like Moses did, that you would continue to give us a wisdom that comes from above and not from ourselves, that you would continue to show us clearly how to rightly divide your word of truth, not just with the law and gospel like you've done today, but your word of truth through the doctrines that you've taught to us through your word, like Psalm 90 and throughout the rest of your holy word to us in the Bible. Lord, we ask that you would establish the work of our hands, not just in the podcast or studies that we do, not just in our ministries, but in our family life, in our daily life, and and everyone who comes into our life to continue to show that we trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He is our rock. He is our strength. Just like it was in the days of Noah, he continues to be here for us today, knowing what we're going through and showing us his love for us, his children. Lord, we thank and praise you always through the name of our Lord Jesus. You have satisfied us early again today with your mercy. We will rejoice and be glad all our days. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your time, Neil. It's been a joy to go through Psalm 90. We pray that this has also been a, an encouragement and a comfort as well as a source of instruction for our listeners. Thanks for being with us. May the Lord keep you throughout this week. We hope that you will join us again next week for another episode of Burden and Blessing Podcast as we continue to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Until next time, take confidence in your Savior's promise that he will always be with you, even to the end of the world.